evening, Raleigh. It is 7 p.m. and welcome to this week's Eye in the Triangle. I'm Jake Langlois. And I'm DeAndre Jones and we thank you for tuning in as always. This week we've got a whole bunch of stories for you from the hallowed halls of Holiday Hall to the rainy shores of Tampa, Florida to the void of space. We've got it all here. In addition, with fall comes one of NC State's favorite midweek events, the Farmer's Market, but more on that later. That along with the movie review and the holidays of the week, it's shaping up to be a good week. But before all that, let's see what's up with this week in the news and the weather. Dave? All right. Well, I've just, I'm covering the weather this week. Uh, tonight, uh, it looks uh, a little rainy. Uh, it's 85 right now, or it topped out at 85 today. Uh, tomorrow, it's going to top out at 86. We're going to get down to a low of 68. It'll be mostly cloudy. Thursday is going to be similar, uh, partly cloudy, uh, high of 85, low of 69. Friday, we're going to get up to 87. It'll be mostly sunny as opposed to partly cloudy. Uh, we're going to get down to 71. Um, let's see, Saturday, we're going to get up to 88, low of 72, also partly cloudy. Sun Sunday is cloudy, fully cloudy, going to get up to 86, though. We've got, I should mention, we've got 20% chance of rain Saturday and Sunday. Now, Monday, we've got isolated thunderstorms. We're only going to get up to 79 with a low of 69. And we got a 30% chance of uh, rain Monday. So if you're camping, uh, bring a raincoat or something on Labor Day. Um, and that should do it for this week's weather. And now we turn to Andrew for the latest in the news. Andrew? Thanks, DeAndre. Mitt Romney secured enough delegates to win the presidential nomination of the Republican National Convention today with 2,061 delegates, putting him far above the minimum 1,144 needed. Hurricane Isaac is expected to make landfall over Louisiana later this evening. Isaac was upgraded from a tropical storm to a Category 1 hurricane earlier this afternoon. And France has opened a murder inquiry into the death of former Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat. Arafat died in a military hospital near Paris in 2004. His family believes he was poisoned with polonium-210, a radioactive element. And that's the news. Thanks, Andrew, for that report. Perhaps one of the most influential scientific figures of the 20th century, Neil Armstrong is perhaps best known as the first man on the moon. He died this week at the age of 82. Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon, died this Saturday at age 82. Mission Commander Armstrong and Lunar Module Pilot Buzz Aldrin became the first humans to land on another world on July 20th, 1969. Armstrong, being the closest to the door, was the first to leave the capsule. As he climbed down the stairs and set foot on the surface of the moon, he made the famous declaration, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Armstrong and Aldrin spent only two and a half hours exploring the moon. And this time they unveiled a plaque, raised an American flag, took photographs, and deployed an experimental package. Though the flag was blown over in the capsule's ascent, the plaque remains, reading, here, men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969 A.D. We came in peace for all mankind. Armstrong never returned to space after the Apollo 11 mission, instead becoming a professor of aerospace engineering at the University of Cincinnati in 1971. He didn't maintain a public presence, never seeking public office like many other astronauts did. He was also protective of his image and likeness, leading many to characterize him as a reluctant hero. But one thing Armstrong did speak out about was continuing space exploration. He believed in the importance of a strong American space program, one that he hoped someday soon would send astronauts to Mars. 
So how do we remember this man? As the hero he never claimed to be, peerless and uncomparable? Or as the first of many heroes, some still yet to come? Perhaps the most fitting epitaph to this man was one written 40 years ago. In the event that the Apollo 11 mission failed and that Armstrong and Aldrin were left stranded on the moon, a speech was prepared for President Nixon to read. Today it is a tribute to all astronauts living and dead and the sacrifices they have made. They will be mourned by their families and friends. They will be mourned by their nation. They will be mourned by the people of the world. They will be mourned by a mother earth that dared send two of her sons into the unknown. In their exploration, they stirred the people of the world to feel as one. In their sacrifice, they bind more tightly the brotherhood of man. In ancient days, men looked at the stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, we do much the same, but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood. Others will follow and surely find their way home. Man's search will not be denied, but these men were the first, and they will remain foremost in our hearts. For every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Andrew Eichen. Yesterday marked the first day of the four-day-long Republican National Convention, the biggest party of the year, where Republican leaders from all over the country to get behind their presidential candidate for this year. Jake has more. This week saw what some might call the official beginning of the 2012 presidential race. And while unofficially Obama and Romney have been running against each other for months, with the beginning of the Republican National Convention on Monday and the Democratic National Convention on Tuesday, the Republican and Democratic candidates will officially accept their party's nomination for the 2012 race. Monday marked the beginning of the Republican National Convention in the Tampa Bay Times Forum in Tampa Bay, Florida. However, just days before the convention was to begin, Tropical Storm Isaac threatened to derail the itinerary and left convention planners scrambling to get a backup in place. Now, with Hurricane Isaac expected to make landfall over New Orleans in a matter of hours, convention planners are watching very closely to ensure that the political festivities do not fly in the face of what could potentially be a devastating storm. Nobody has forgotten Hurricane Katrina, and as Isaac prepares to make landfall on the 7th anniversary of Katrina, it has all but become inseparable from the Republican convention. And although the itinerary for Monday was cut short, there was still plenty going on, and still plenty yet to happen over the next two days. It began with the official call to order by RNC Chairman Rince Priebus on Monday afternoon. And then, almost immediately after, the convention was called to recess until Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday saw a long line of speakers, including Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, Mitt Romney's wife Ann Romney, and New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. The list of speakers still yet to take the podium remains long, and at first, some were afraid speakers would have to be cut due to the lack of time. But so far, only a few entertainment venues had to be canceled, including Leonard Skinner on Sunday. But the real headliner will come on Thursday night, 
when Mitt Romney officially accepts the Republican Party nomination for president. This three-day convention looks to be as if it will work out just fine, and many have claimed that this year marks what will perhaps come to be seen as the death of the four-day political convention. This three-day convention looks to be as if it will work out just fine, and many have claimed that this year marks what will perhaps come to be seen as the death of the four-day political convention. The Democratic National Convention next week is scheduled to be three days, and in 2008, the Republican National Convention was also cut short due to Hurricane Gustav. Three days just seems to make more sense to many, although it remains to be seen if the three-day convention will become the new norm or if future conventions will revert to the four-day itinerary. Either way, the next few days promise to hold many surprises for those closely following Republican politics. And although the convention is held to accomplish one very important purpose, mainly to officially designate Mitt Romney as a 2012 Republican candidate, watching the live stream, one can't help but notice Republicans sure know how to party. Brian the Triangle, I'm Jay Clangwall, 88.1 WKNC. That, of course, was Kid Rock's Born Free, Mitt Romney's apparent song of choice on the campaign trail. The Democratic Convention will, of course, begin next Tuesday, and I will be there covering the convention in Charlotte for NC State student media. And for anyone that's wondering, the reason we're only attending the Democratic Convention and not the Republican Convention is a matter of convenience. Charlotte is much closer than Tampa, and our budget is only so large. And now, as the late August creeps into early September, people all around Raleigh look forward to the farmer's market. Our new contributor, Gene, has more. Have your jeans been feeling a little too constricting lately? Are you terrified of the freshman 15? Do you have stress dreams about dining hall food? There is a solution for you. The Campus Farmer's Market is coming back this Wednesday, August 29th. Swing by the brickyard between 10 and 3 to grab some locally grown produce from your favorite vendors. The Farmer's Market was brought to campus with the goal of educating students about the benefits of eating locally grown products, and these benefits are vast. First of all, The amount of miles food travels to get to your plate is reflected in the taste. Fresh food not only tastes better, but lasts longer and costs less. Also, local produce is seasonal, which means fruits and vegetables contain their optimal amounts of flavor and nutrients, which are often lost when food is grown through synthetic means. The consumption of locally grown food is more healthful not only due to the peak nutrient content of seasonal produce, but to the fact that the shorter the distance is between the food source and the consumer, the less risk there is of contamination. Large factories tend to use more chemicals during the food production process than small farms, even if the farms are not organic. In this sense, eating locally has innumerable health benefits. Eating locally has a positive economic and environmental impact as well. As energy prices are currently on the rise, the longer food has to travel, the more you will have to pay for it. Not only does eating locally save you money, but it also decreases your carbon footprint as less energy is involved in both the creation of the food and its transportation. Local foods support the local community. Money spent with local farmers stays in the area and goes into building the local economy, as opposed to being funneled over into the hands of a corporation located in another state or country. Thus, a greater sense of community is developed, which is why the Wolfpack community should come out tomorrow to support some of our local farmers and pick up some delicious snacks. Brian the Triangle, this has been Gene Chernoff. Uh, we're going to go, but don't go away because we're going to be back soon. 
on the triangle at last week's packapalooza if you were lucky enough to catch it you probably saw our very own chancellor woodson up on stage deandre was lucky enough to sit down and have a chance to speak with the chancellor of our fine university there are many words that describe our beloved chancellor woodson among those are nice courteous musical professional and relatable that is why I was able to so easily have him in the studio for an interview about his time at Packapalooza and the university in general. I personally would like to thank Chancellor Woodson for devoting some of his time to me so he could share his thoughts with you guys. I'm sitting here with Chancellor Woodson in the studio. Well, first things first, Chancellor, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good morning. Good morning to you. It's it's really great to have you here. I know I know that you must be busy, so I really would like to thank you for coming in today. So I guess we're just going to jump right in. You know, what did you think of Welcome Week? Uh, was it a success in your eyes? Yeah, it it was a terrific success. In fact, you know, it looked like we got our students into all the residence halls with ease, and that was good. We had a lot of volunteers. A lot of people came out. Uh, it ended with a great success in Packapalooza. So I think we got off to a really great start with Welcome Week. If you'd have to name a favorite event of Welcome Week, what do you think yours would be? Well, for me, uh, the convocation is always an exciting event where we have the author of the, the freshman read and, and the band and all of the things that goes along with convocation. Uh, but this year, I thought we really hit it out of the park with Packapalooza. This was a new event for us, and I, it just did a great job of bringing all the students together with the community. I, I definitely agree with that, too. If you're at Packapalooza, then you probably saw the Chancellor playing on stage with the headlining band, Carolina Liar. Chancellor, how was that experience? <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. I mean, honestly, uh, I was surprised. So I didn't know I was going to do it and certainly didn't anticipate being up there. But it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I got up with a band and they said, of course, you know the song. And I said, well, I don't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he told me the chord progressions and we went from there. So... It, w it was a lot of fun, though. Yeah, it sounded good, too. Uh, so did you feel like you were keeping up with them? Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> uh, what, are you kidding? Yeah. You know, it was uh, probably not my best performance in my history, but it was a great deal of fun. So how long have you been playing guitar? I started playing guitar probably when I was 12 or 13 years old. And, you know, I've never really trained professionally as a guitarist. Uh, I didn't have the patience for that. And when I was a kid, you know, I just wanted to play Led Zeppelin. And, uh, you know, I'd leave the teachers to the scales and things. So being the chancellor of NC State, of course, is a big deal. What would you say that your favorite part of your job is? Well, clearly the, the most fun of the job is seeing students successful at the university. And that's why, you know, the fall semester and when everyone comes back, in August, it's just such a, a great time of year. So the, the most fun any university leader has is in seeing our students return to campus, seeing the energy that they bring back to NC State, and just watching them grow uh, personally and professionally. Is it hard to find time to meet with individual students or groups of students? Well, it's a challenge given everything that I have that I'm responsible for. But I, I work hard at it. In fact, uh, you may have read in the technician this morning, just yesterday, I met with a group of students 
in the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. And, in fact, I you even mentioned to me that uh, you had been part of a group of students that met with me in the Poole College of Management. So once a year, I meet with students in each of the colleges. And I also have lunch with the chancellor once a month where students can sign up uh, to be part of that smaller, intimate conversation. And then I go around campus once a month for a chat with the chancellor that provides students an opportunity to to engage in conversation with me, ask me questions they might have, and just talk about the university. Do you think that uh, meeting with students and getting their opinions about the school is a an important part of your job? Absolutely. Uh, if, if you think about a university as a business, students are customers. And to keep the university competitive and to keep it successful – we need to be working hard to ensure that our students uh, are getting a great education and they're successful here. So, yes, meeting with students is important. Where do you see the university going in the future? Yeah, it, NC State is, uh, without a doubt, one of the nation's strongest public universities. Uh, we're one of the top 100 research universities in the country. And so NC State's future is very bright because we're a university that's built around areas of, of disciplines or areas of learning that are critical to the nation's future. And it's everything from science and technology and engineering to humanities and social sciences. So as a university, we have an opportunity to bring students and faculty together to really address the important problems that we face as society. A quick question about Centennial Campus. I know that there's some big plans for that campus in the future. Could you describe a couple of those plans, please? Yeah. Well, without a doubt, Centennial Campus is one of a, a real differentiating features for NC State. First of all, it's unusual in that, that it's a campus that includes both academic buildings and, and the private sector research organizations. So the biggest thing going on on Centennial Campus now is the finishing of the Jim Hunt Library which is going to be an absolutely phenomenal facility that brings students and faculty together with technology in ways that very few universities are able to do. The, the second uh, big thing going on now on Centennial Campus is for the first time we're going to add student housing, and we're building a 1,200-bed student housing facility and dining facilities, and, and that will really strengthen Centennial. The challenge going forward with Centennial is continuing to move students, getting them between main campus and Centennial Campus seamlessly, and we're working hard to do that. And when will the Jim Hunt Library be opening? We're anticipating opening the second semester, early in the second semester. We're certainly going to have a dedication event in February, but we hope the library is ready for occupancy shortly after the beginning of the new year. We're already moving books into the library uh, so things are starting off. My last question. Personally, I was really surprised about how easy it was to get in contact with you um, to get this interview. And I think a lot of students may not realize how actually easy it is to have at least some sort of interaction with you. Um, could you name a couple ways that that's possible? Well, I've already mentioned that I have uh, these visits around campus with colleges. Uh, I also have the chat with the chancellor and and the lunch uh, with the chancellor where students can go online and sign up. But as you've pointed out, if students have uh, something that they need to bring to my attention, my staff is fully prepared uh, to work with students to get these things on in front of me and, and get them on my radar screen. I think it's really great that you are 
you know, not just a face, but you're actually like a person and you're relatable and available. I am a person. Thanks for recognizing that. <laughs> and I think that with that, we're going to wrap the interview up. Once again, I thank you, Chancellor Woodson, for being as courteous as to let me have some of your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. And if you have any questions for the Chancellor, all you have to do is go to the NC State homepage, follow the About NC State link. You can find the Chancellor's homepage from there. He has a link called Ask the Chancellor, and that's how I was able to get in contact with him. So I'm sure that he would be just as apt to get in contact with you, too. Thank you, guys. And for Eye on the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. And welcome back to Eye on the Triangle. I'd like to apologize for that little bit of interruption. We had a fire drill. Um, you know, sometimes there's things you just, there's nothing you can do about it. So, Well, here we go. The 1950s, Cadillacs, hoop skirts, and cannibalism. Just in the case that happens to pique your particular interest, Jake presents Parents. The 1989 film Parents, by director Bob Balaban, is a dark comedy set amongst the tidy suburbs of post-World War II America. The year is 1954, and little Michael Lemley has just moved into a new town after his father gets a job working for a company. Right away, they look like the typical family one might have found on television in the 1950s. There is the sweater-wearing, bespectacled father, the homely mother, and of course, Michael. Michael is not the typical little boy, however. He seems quiet, shy, and just a little bit disturbed, on the first day at his new school, for example, when asked to share something about himself, he shares his knowledge on the proper way to skin and gut a dead cat. Obviously not the most normal thing for a 10-year-old to have knowledge on. Nevertheless, he cannot help but have the feeling that something in his household is wrong, but cannot seem to get a grasp on it. The audience shares in the experiences of Michael, oftentimes witnessing disturbing events from the point of view of a 10-year-old boy and seeing the way those events affect Michael throughout the rest of the movie. As the movie delves more deeply into the lives of the Lemleys, and as Michael begins to discover the truth about his parents, they turn hostile and frightening, which is especially unsettling to watch. But every authority figure in the movie has the same message. You're just a child. You're frightened. There's really nothing wrong, and there's nothing to be scared of. When I was a little boy, I was just like you. I was afraid of everything. I used to think there was a monster in my closet. And every night, he would wait until I was asleep and hide under my bed. Know what happened? I grew up to be a big, strong man, just like my dad, and I wasn't afraid of anything ever again. Isn't that a nice story? Both Michael and the audience know something is wrong, and it has to do with the meat. The leftovers the family eats every single night. The meat Michael knows he does not want to touch. And if you haven't figured it out by now, they're cannibals. Such a disturbing idea set against the background of a quiet little American suburb is exactly why I love this movie. The post-war era is remembered as a time when the idea of a car in every driveway and a chicken in every pot first began to crystallize, and the idea that such a horrible concept could be going on behind the closed doors of the mild-mannered family next door is precisely what makes this movie so much fun to watch. The music and the decor are so typically Americana, it almost seems exaggerated and faked. And that's why it works. Their secret is abhorrent and cringe-inducing, 
But at the end of the day, who doesn't have their own secrets they're keeping from the neighbors? So now, Dave, I understand there are some holidays that we should be celebrating this week. What can you tell us about that? Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Holidays of the Week. This is Dave, as previously mentioned. Uh, today is Race Your Mouse Around the Icons Day, and it is also Radio Commercials Day, which is a little bit ironic because we don't play commercials on this radio station. Yeah, we can't, we can't celebrate that holiday, unfortunately. Sorry. But, uh, you know, you can flip the station after the show is over uh, if you want. <laughs> don't you, do that. But you probably shouldn't do Never that. Never do that. Uh, tomorrow is International Day Against Nuclear Testing. And it is also less salt, more herbs day. So it seems to be a pretty health conscious day. Jake, that seems like your 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 kind of holiday. Uh, I mean, that's cut down on the sodium. Very hipster. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. not even. We're not going <laughs> there. Thursday is National Toasted Marshmallow Day. This seems to be different from a s'mores themed holiday since they only mentioned the marshmallow. They left out the chocolate and graham crackers uh, on purpose. It seems. So do you just eat it by your, by itself? Um. Yeah, just yeah. just the toasted marshmallow. Toasted well, really marshmallow good. on a stick, like over a campfire, gross. and eat it. Yeah, that did was you a, say gross? Like it's just gonna melt in your mouth, and like you just get everywhere. That's like the just, point. That's it's a it's a toasted marshmallow. That's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, but s'mores hold it all together. I don't know. Delicious. It's like uh, <laughs> if you're gonna toast a marshmallow, a, you might as well just put you know chocolate and graham crackers on it. That's what I. That's what I think. That's it just feels opinion. premature. I'm sorry. I could eat toasted marshmallows all day long. I don't know about you guys. Some people buy it in a jar. It's called fluff. Okay, yeah. that's gross. That, that is. It gross. is gross. Oh. They put it on sandwiches. Anyway, Friday <laughs> is National Trail Mix Day, so I guess we're also uh, sort of camping themed this week. Well, if that... you go camping this weekend uh, for Labor Day weekend, like I will be, make sure to post a picture on our Facebook wall of yourself enjoying some trail mix or. Some toasted marshmallows if you're going to stretch that toasted marshmallows day through the weekend. That's not going to be good for cutting down on the sodium, though. No, it won't. What are you talking about, dude? Sodium. There's no sodium in marshmallows. Marshmallows? <laughs> I'm talking about trail mix. Trail mix. Okay. Unsalted. Trail mix, yeah. Unsalted trail Just mix. eat the M&Ms and the chocolate. I don't think they, I don't I think do. they make that. <laughs> I, I do that anyway. Okay. <laughs> That's totally sodium-free. Throw the nuts. Yep. Saturday is September 1st, which means we've got a new month. It also means we're starting Nutrition Week, so uh, I guess get all of your junk food in on Friday, then. Uh, <laughs> that's not. I don't think that's the message we're trying to drive home is yeah, to eat as much junk food between now and Friday. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Eat all the junk food you want, and then Saturday we'll start. We'll start eating. Healthy. Exactly. Well, I mean, if you're in college, that's all you can usually afford, anyways. Right, so. right. It'll offset. You have a week of nutrition, then a week of ridiculousness. It's like Mardi Gras. It's okay. also it's also no rhyme nor reason day on Saturday. So w- why? That's very obscure. There's no reason. There's no reason. No, no rhyme or there's reason. No, there's no rhyme. Nor reason. That holiday okay. was made specifically so we would ask that question. Yep. Sunday <laughs> is a little more serious. Uh, it's VJ, VJ or Victory in Japan Day, which we have celebrated since 1945 uh, when Japan surrendered to the Allies. <laughs> the other World Victory in Japan Day. So um, we've got that going on. And then Monday is Labor Day, and it is also Skyscraper Day, which I think is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I was um, I was just in New York over the weekend. A lot of skyscrapers there. Yeah, I there. saw some pictures of some skyscrapers. I don't know. Would you... I don't think we technically... Do we have any skyscrapers in Raleigh? Yeah, I think sure. we do. We've got, do we yeah, have any? We have, have like three. The BB&T okay. building, uh, RNC, the well, RNC building. It has to be a certain number of floors to be considered a skyscraper. It's, it's scraping the sky. It is a skyscraper. Yes. So, so P- go and appreciate those. PNC building, Wells Fargo building, and the BB&T building. 
So we do have we we do have some skyscrapers, and we should be damn proud of them. That's right. That's right. So uh, that should do it for this week. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to celebrate your way through the week. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Now let's turn to Grant to see what events are happening around campus. So you can see. Good evening, Wolfpack. Let's take a look at what's going on here at NC State. Starting tomorrow night at 7 p.m., the movie The Five-Year Engagement will be playing in Witherspoon Student Cinema through Saturday. Go online for more movie times. Itching to do something tonight? Well, there's colorful cattle wandering about Raleigh. That's right, the 2012 Cow Parade, featuring 100 life-size cow statues, have been painted by local artists and have been placed around the triangle. Check out the bovines throughout Raleigh and the rest of Wake County until November. Can't make it to Atlanta for this year's opening football game against Tennessee? Head on down to Witherspoon Student Cinema to watch the game for free with your student ID this Friday at 6 p.m. Need some fresh veggies to bring to the game? Head over to the State Farmer's Market at 1201 Agriculture Street and enjoy 75 acres of indoor and outdoor specialty shops with all kinds of products from around the state. The market is open from 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Saturday and opens at 8 a.m. on Sunday. Too far away? That's all right. The Campus Farmer's Market will be in the Brickyard from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. this Wednesday, August 29th. Want to go see a free movie? Head on over to Waverly Place to watch a free, family-friendly movie this Thursday outside. The show begins when the sun goes down around 7 p.m. That's what's happening at NC State. For On the Triangle, I'm Grant Buckner, 88.1 WKNC. Well, that about wraps up what we got for you this week. But before we go, I'd just like to go ahead and make a quick note. Next week's show, I will be in Charlotte for the Democratic National Convention, so you can look forward to plenty of coverage from the convention floor. So I will be hosting the show. Yay. So be sure and tune in next week for that. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know on our Facebook page.